Aristotle once said, in every act of doing, we are becoming. Every day, all of us make choices that shape and form us into the people that we are and the people that we are becoming. I'm your producer, Michael Moffat, and I want to welcome you to the Arete Way, a podcast dedicated to helping you become excellent in all that you do. Our hosts today are Walter and Stacy Nussbaum. Stacy, good to see you again. Good to see you. I know. I got to tell you, uh, every time we have this date coming up when Michael's coming in to do the recording for us, I get psyched about these podcasts. I'm just enjoying them more and more. So uh, this is going to be a great topic today. Mm-hmm. You know, the last one we did, we did uh, the art of being a great conversationalist. And, we did. Uh, I was telling you earlier, I got some really fun feedback from people. Uh, people getting back to me mm-hmm. saying, man, I had no idea I had so many bad habits. <laughs> It's made us think about our own, too. It has. Have mm-hmm. you, mm-hmm. since we did that, have you caught mm-hmm. yourself sometimes? I have, especially piggybacking. It's just such a hard one not to do. And, um, of course, my Eeyore. You know, I think about that one. <laughs> the, the dark cloud. <laughs> the dark cloud. Yeah. But, yeah, it just kind of refreshes your, your memory about, you know, the things that you do, the things that you want to stop yeah. doing. I was having coffee about a week and a half ago with the guy, and all of a sudden, I just felt like I was the interviewer. You know, we mm-hmm. talked about that. Mm-hmm. I just continued to mm-hmm. ask question after question, and I had to make <laughs> myself stop to give the poor guy a chance to yeah. maybe, you know, involve himself in the conversation. So those yeah. are fun, and, uh, you know, we posted a bunch of clips on YouTube. So whoever's listening on Spotify or whatever, man, gosh, go to YouTube, subscribe mm-hmm. to our channel, like and share it. You know, it just kind of helps us grow the channel. But we're going to be continuing to write together mm-hmm. on uh, on that book. That's right. That, the uh, art of being a great conversationist. So hopefully that'll be done. What what was the goal by the end of the summer, right? Oh uh, yeah, that might be a little lofty. <laughs> how little about bit. how about by the end of the year? Yeah, you know <laughs> we're going to talk about a model that you and I both really love. We both taught this model. Mm-hmm. We live this model. We experience it. It seems like personally this morning. <laughs> this morning we got into this model. We got into it and got into this model. But would you agree that this model has helped us, you and me, resolve things quicker? Sure, sure. Uh, you know, you just can't help but think about it. Once you know it, you can't unknow it. So now that we know this model, I think that every time we have a conflict, you know, even though we, uh, you know, have to keep working at getting through those conflicts, you know, it's definitely a part of your, your mindset and getting through it. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, in fact, uh, last, uh, gosh, what was it? We were in Washington, D.C. You went and got certified as a certified uh, uh corporate, organizational media, mediation, workplace mediator, workplace, workplace mediator. And that was, man, all day, five days, eight hours a day going mm-hmm. through the certification, mm-hmm. this training. And yet, as good as that was, mm-hmm. um, you said to me, you know, the box mm-hmm. model, if people just mm-hmm. learn to really, what we're going to do today, could learn this model mm-hmm. and begin to try to live it out, it's every bit as effective, isn't it? Yes, it's transformational. And it's easier to remember. It's more simple. Um, it's a, a model I think that can really be life changing. Yeah. Um, and in this book that we're going to talk about, that yeah, the model comes right out here. of leadership, leadership and self deception. Mm-hmm. Yeah, by the Arbinger Institute. It's a, we highly recommend mm-hmm. it, right? And all of our podcasts, we're going to always be quoting books and authors. Mm-hmm. This is one of our top three books, top five mm-hmm. books that we recommend to people all the time. And when you first pick this book up and you begin reading it, it's a story. Yeah. And you, you may think that it doesn't really apply if, if you're reading it for personal reasons, you know, because it's written kind of uh, the framework is the workplace. 
But it transcends the workplace, personal relationships, intimate relationships, family yeah. relationships, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the main character in the, in the book leaves work and goes home mm-hmm. and is having to apply the model with his wife and his family. Mm-hmm. And, and so we want to talk about this model. It just seems today, more than ever, there's conflict everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're coming up on election season. doesn't matter where you are on the spectrum. I mean, you just listen to the way that each party, each view talks about each other. It's, it's sometimes hard to, to stomach after a while, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Especially for you. I mean, I'm watching the news all the time, and you'll walk in and say, what, what will you say to me? I mean, do we really have to do this again? <laughs> do we really have to keep watching this? <laughs> yeah, because to you, yeah. it's old. You know, you hear the same kind of maligning of each other. You know, we're right, you're wrong, and it gets old. It doesn't matter what channels you put it on. You can watch CNN, mm-hmm. MSNBC, Fox News. It doesn't matter where mm-hmm. you are. You see this. When you become aware of this model, you begin to realize how people go what we call in the box. Mm-hmm. And this idea of going in the box, man, it is one of the most divisive things you can do. Because when you go in a box, what is that experience like? Why is that metaphor so apt? Why is that such a good metaphor? Well, you can't really see clearly. All that you see are the four walls around you. And you kind of isolate yourself from other people. Um, You kind of stonewall. You know, it just is a very limited perspective. Yeah, Yep. That's, I think for me, that's the takeaway. Mm-hmm. When you go in the box, it's very limiting. Mm-hmm. Your view is limited. You set yourself, you cut yourself off from mm-hmm. other people. And you just look around the world right now. You look at all the tension, whether it's the mm-hmm. racial tension going on, whether it's social tension, groups, mm-hmm. uh, all the different, quote, tribes in our country that everybody has their, uh, their things that they need, right? There's more division. You look at family structures and family relationships and parents, mm-hmm. right? These divisions are everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, trying to sustain a relationship with two people that love each other, right? You and I, and yet we have the occasional conflict too, mm-hmm. don't we? And so uh, imagine the difficulty just around the world that people are having trying to find peace with their fellow man, peace with the people around them. Right. And that's what this model is, is all about. And it's not about never going in the box because we'll always go in the box just merely because of our human condition, right? Yeah. But it is about identifying and being able to see yourself uh, for the truth and being able to recognize that you're in the box and then, and then work to get out of it. That's right. That's right. So what we're going to do today is we're going to take the time to describe kind of what is it that causes us to go in the box, what happens when we're in the box, and then at the end, which obviously is the most important part, we're going to talk about how do you get out of the box? How do you get out of the box? And how do you rebuild a relationship with somebody where you can find peace again? <clears throat> I mean, right now, there are people who have been at odds with each other for weeks, if not months, years. if not years. Isn't that true? Sadly. It's sad. And you see people who genuinely want a relationship with each other, but one or both parties refuse mm-hmm. to take the first step. And the reason is, and you and I know this because we have watched it, observed it, coached it. You see that people go in the box and they refuse to relinquish their innocence. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the powerful elements of this model that we're going to get to. But to get into it, the very kind of premise of this model, you know, we both know this, is this idea of we all have an image of ourselves that we hold on to and we we clutch onto this thing. And when somebody challenges this image that we have of ourselves, that's when we get triggered. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. That's when we react. Isn't that true? We become victims. We become victims. That's right. Mm-hmm. And, and what happens when you feel like a victim? What do people who feel mm-hmm. like a victim who go in the box, what do they do? Victimize back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's the old counseling saying, right? Hurt, hurt people, people hurt what? people. Hurt people, hurt people. Right. In the same way, when you feel like a victim, you don't have to go in the box. But if you do, which most do, mm-hmm. you now, there's a phrase in victim psychology, and it goes victims victimize. Right. Unless they deal with the victimization that they feel, they're going to victimize themselves, mm-hmm. or they're going to victimize others, or they're going to victimize in both directions. Right. 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 It can be outward and inward. Let's talk about that for a minute. So it's not necessarily yeah. only uh, outward, right? It can be um, more inward, like manipulation and, and codependency and, um, you know, not having boundaries, that sort of thing. That can be another way to victimize yeah. other people. You can victimize other people. <clears throat> or let's say a person gets let go from their job and they feel like they were let go unfairly or they weren't treated justly. They could victimize themselves, mm-hmm. right? They could leave that workplace worse. They could uh, lash out. They could slander the company, slander the boss, slander people at work, which may hurt them in the long run. They're hurting themselves. Right. right? They could manage it through substance abuse. They could feel mm-hmm. so sorry for themselves mm-hmm. because they feel like a victim. They've been treated unfairly that now they go try to medicate their sorrow. And now what they're doing, who are they hurting? themselves they're hurting themselves but it's never perceived as their fault right it's always the other person's fault so they suddenly see the other person as worse than they are and they see themselves as better than they are so they have a real bias towards themselves that's it yes and that's what keeps them in the box isn't it right yeah and so when i see you worse than you are and i see myself better than i am that gap creates greater force that keeps me in the box Mm -hmm. because now i feel more innocent than i really am Right. And that's what drives, drives this model. Yeah. And again, going back to what we said at the beginning, though, think about that. The image we have of ourselves sets this whole thing up. If I feel like I deserve to be viewed a certain way or treated a certain way, and I'm not, how does that feel just as a human being? How does it feel when you don't feel like you're being treated the way you should be treated? It's hurtful. You know, it feels you feel alone. You feel angry. You feel like you want to retaliate. Yeah. Right. How, how about as a mom? Mm-hmm. What are all the things so many mm-hmm. awesome moms do? You're an amazing mm-hmm. mother. All the things that you do for the family, for the children. Mm-hmm. Right. What are the things? Enumerate them. All right. What are the things <laughs> that typical moms do on a regular basis? Make sure the kids have what they need. Do their laundry. Remind them of things. You know, take them places. I mean, we could go on and on and on. There's yeah. Numerous things that you do, and and most of the the moms out there would say, oftentimes they feel maybe underappreciated for for doing those things, right? They do, they do, they feel, and they feel underappreciated mm-hmm. because unfortunately they probably <laughs> <It is> true <laughs> are underappreciated. Right. Yeah, they're not getting tons of kudos except on Mother's Day. They get their token right. card, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe on a birthday, you know, Mom, you're mm-hmm. the best. Thanks for all that you do. Mm-hmm. So they get a couple of days a year that it gets noticed. But by and large, it's easy for moms mm-hmm. to feel unappreciated or underappreciated and can a mom go in the box sure all the time yeah because mm-hmm. now they feel throwing that laundry basket down nobody's <laughs> looking hey do your own laundry <laughs> that's right and oh, now yeah. all of a sudden that's what they feel right i'll show you you know what i'm not going to do your laundry for a week see how you like that now the mom might think that she's going to teach them a lesson but what she's really done 
if she's given up something she really wants to do because she wants to serve her family. Mm -hmm. And now she's going to victimize back, mm -hmm. right? She's going to tell that eight-year-old, go do your own laundry. Right. She's not going to do, and you'll eventually end up doing it again after all because you didn't really <laughs> set the boundaries. Probably so. But this is what happens. And so when somebody lashes out, when somebody gets angry, uh, when somebody shuts down and quits talking, you and yeah. I, when you and yeah. I have gotten in a disagreement, uh, and one of us or both of us for a period of time, we don't get quiet because we need to process. We get quiet because we don't, we're not going to talk to the other person. Yeah, it's a checking out, but it's kind of a form of punishment. It's a form of and, punishment. And manipulation. Yeah, I'm going to let you know how upset I am by not <clears throat> talking to you mm -hmm. until you finally say, are you okay? Is everything okay? And, mm -hmm. see, and we want each other to ask that so that the other person knows that they're upset. And it's, yeah. it's just, it's juvenile. It's going back to when you're 14, 15, 16 years old. I'm not talking to you because I'm mad at you. Right. The reality is, is we go in the box mm -hmm. and we feel like victims. But mm -hmm. the reality is, think about this. Even if that is the case that I feel hurt by you, do I still have a responsibility to handle this in a certain way? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do I? Yeah, it's called honest communication. Yeah. And, and so what might be something that I should say to you if I feel hurt by something that maybe you said or you mm -hmm. did, rather than checking out or getting upset, right? What should I do? Give right. me an example. What should I say to you? Stacy, can I share with you an hour ago, we were in the bathroom and you said this, this is how it made me feel, or this is how I feel about what you said. And just owning it and being honest with it and, you know, propelling the process forward. Yeah. So we delay we delay that process because we stay stuck in our our box and our anger and you know we manipulate right. kind of sideways. This is something we've told people many times when we've taught this model is go to the point in the argument, fast forward it, get past the first hour, mm -hmm. maybe when you finally get to that point when you're about to resolve it. If you could speed up the tape and see what happened there, mm -hmm. right? The quicker you can get to there the quicker you're going to save yourself all of this misery and pain along the way. And that's the key, is mm -hmm. learning to have the maturity, the humility, and mm -hmm. the courage to get out of the box and start at that point. And it almost always starts with one attitude. And mm -hmm. we know what this is, mm -hmm. because when we do this, mm -hmm. it works. It works. And yeah. what is it? Share what that attitude is. What do we have to do to begin the process mm -hmm. of getting back to peace together? Well kind of that principle of seeking to understand is at the heart of it. But I think just making even a, the smallest concession towards another person about owning maybe something that you could have done different, you could have said different. It takes one small concession oftentimes, not, not always, but yeah. oftentimes for the other person to then make another concession. And then, and then you begin this ping pong effect. Well, you know, I could have probably done this or I could have probably done this. But the reason that you don't is because you're so stuck in your position because you you have to tell yourself kind of the, the whole justification, right? You have to justify your position by making yourself better, the other person worse, in order right. to stay in the box and to right. stay in that place of stubborn, right? right. Um, so it's like even if you know, if I know that I should come to you and say, you know, well, I shouldn't have said that, I'm sorry, and I'm terrible at this. You're much better at this than I am. I'm, I'm really stubborn. And so even though I know that I should come and say, you know, I know I probably shouldn't have said that. I mean, I will just hold on to that as long as I possibly can simply because I don't want to admit to you in my pride that, you know what, I shouldn't have said that. But if, I, if I'd be willing to do that and just get out of the box a little bit for a minute, yep. 
then you you typically always soften and say, yeah. well, I appreciate that. And yeah. you know what? I probably could have said this well, differently too. Do, because yeah. whenever we both hold on to our position and refuse mm-hmm. to give in, it just perpetuates the problem. Mm-hmm. And you said something a second ago. We, you know, we've called this force um, the second most powerful force in the universe, and it's the force of self-justification. Mm-hmm. The natural ability that every person has mm-hmm. to self-justify, it's built into us as human beings, mm-hmm. isn't it? Mm-hmm. And the moment we do something that maybe isn't right, it doesn't matter what it is. Imagine driving on the street, and let's say that um, you, somebody honked at you because maybe you were looking down at your phone and somebody behind you honks at you. What do most people feel when they get honked at? Honked at? Anger. Anger. You're how, angry how dare you honk at me? At you. And the reality is... You're the one on your phone. You're the one on your phone. Right. Yeah. Right. And yet now you're angry. How for rude. What a jerk. How rude and what a jerk. Right? right. And the reality is, if yeah. you really were in touch with yourself, well, you would be able to say, oh, your hand goes up. Yeah. You say, my bad, I'm sorry, and you know. And that's all they want to see. Right. But the moment you get angry at them, right, what now is potentially going to happen between you and this other, this other vehicle? It's just going to escalate. Yeah. Potentially. I was on, uh, I got to tell a funny story. I was on, in Dallas on 635 one time, and I was doing whatever, 70, 75 miles an hour on there. And uh, I, I made a mistake. I moved over one lane. And, I, and in my blind spot, I did not see this truck. And I moved literally, it had to be within four or five feet of this truck. And this guy, he, is a, he had a big old jacked up truck. And I moved right in front of him. And I saw in my rearview mirror, he was right there. And then I heard him. <laughs> he laid on his horn. And I don't mean a, uh, uh, I mean, he laid on his horn nonstop to let me know that I just cut <laughs> right in front of him. Where did he just go? According to this model. In the box. In the box. He felt like a victim to what I just did. So he, because he's in the box and he feels like a victim, he's now victimizing me. And I knew I did wrong. But all of a sudden, I felt this anger. Like, look at the way this guy is treating me. It was a total accident. And I was tempted to start slowing down. (laughs) That's so so you. (laughs) It's terrible. But I didn't. I decided to be out of the box and mature. And uh, I was about to move back over mm-hmm. to let him know that I recognize I cut in front of him. He jerks his truck over to my left, begins to speed up, and I knew he was going to look at me, and I knew I was about to look in the eyes of the devil. <laughs> I knew this guy was going to want to kill me. And sure enough, he pulls up right next to me, and he looks at me, and I still remember he had this uh, handlebar mustache. <laughs> big old cowboy hat, and he looks down at me, and I swear he had these eyes of just fury that I did this. And in that moment, do you remember what I did? I think you kind of waved at him. I did. I put my hand yeah. up at him, and I just mouthed to him, yeah. my bad. Yeah. And as soon as I did that, it was amazing. You know what he did? He tipped his hat, and he gave me the peace sign. Yeah. It was amazing. But imagine, what if you had... What if I flipped them off? Had some other gesture. Yeah, yeah. it would be. There's road rage right yeah. there. He's yeah. in the box. I'm in yeah. the box. There's no peace. But because I treated him in a certain mm-hmm. way and recognized something, he mm-hmm. went from fury to peace. Yeah. See? And this is one of the principles of the model. Yeah. When you go in the box, how do you view people? Objects. As objects. Yeah. 
And what can you do to an object? What can you say to an object? Anything. Anything. Mm -hmm. And that's why people, when they go in the box, Mm -hmm. they have said some of the worst things to people, haven't they? Things they would never say to anybody else. But see, you can do that to an object. You would Mm -hmm. never do that to a person. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And this guy, because he felt like an object, he viewed me as an object. And he would have probably taken that as far as I was willing to Mm -hmm. take it because I'm just an object. But the moment I treated him as a what? As a person. As a person. Yeah. He immediately he gave me the off. peace sign. Right. And his fury drops, and suddenly I'm a person too. Right. What a powerful principle to think about around mm-hmm. the world. Let's turn the tables, though. Say that you had decided to give him another gesture and escalated the situation. Um, there's this concept of self-betrayal, right? Mm-hmm. If you had told yourself, you know, what a jerk, and you had stayed in that kind of frame of mind, and so then you you self-justify, or you you uh, you justify your actions, but yeah. it requires a real self-betrayal because you probably know that you were in the wrong by cutting him off. If it had happened to you, you would respond the same way, likely. But in the moment, you have to go through that self-betrayal process, right? In order to justify your behavior, yeah, that's right. So it's it's doing the thing that you that you know that you shouldn't do, or right. not doing the thing that you know that you should do, like coming to apologize when you know that you're in the wrong. That's right. That's 100 percent right. And that is, I mean, that's that is exactly the reason anybody goes in the box. Mm-hmm. They go in the box because they betray themselves. They know. Listen, mm-hmm. we know two wrongs don't make a right. Right. It's the old kindergarten rule. Right. Just because he hurt, hit you doesn't mean you hit him back necessarily. Mm-hmm. And, and so you betray yourself by uh-huh. now retaliating in some way. And now you've got to self-justify to let yourself off the hook. And I think, you know, that can be the simplest of things. Maybe it's not even a big conflict, but it makes me think of a story in this book that they talked about where it's a new couple and they've had a new baby and they're both working and they're tired and the dad, you know, the baby's crying in the middle of the night. And the dad's telling himself, I know I should get up. I know I should get up because she's gotten up every night. But you know what? I work 12 hours a day and I've provided for this family. And so therefore, I'm not going to get up, even though in his heart, I think he knew, you know, that he needed to. And I think about you and me in the trash, you know, and sometimes I'm like, he needs to take the trash out. By golly, he's the man, you know, but you're off traveling and, and on the road and so forth. And so how easily you can get into that mindset of just what you deserve and what you don't deserve. And, yeah. and you know, it's just, it can be really simple things, you know, yeah. that begin that kind of heart of war right. that we're talking in about. Fact, in that story, I remember in the beginning of the story in the book, remember he's laying there and he tells himself, I think I'll get up and help with the baby because she's been working so hard. And he's laying there getting ready to get up. And then it occurs to him, wait a minute. She's not even making an attempt to get up. Mm-hmm. And that's the mm-hmm. point when suddenly mm-hmm. he felt like a victim. Like, she expects me to get up. And then he pretends like he's asleep. Then he pretends like he's asleep. <laughs> and so here's yeah. this guy who starts off, I want to really just serve my wife. I want to do mm-hmm. something to help her because she works so hard. Mm-hmm. And within moments, she becomes this selfish, awful person that's expecting him to get up when he mm-hmm. works so hard and how dare her. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. That is what the human... Uh, the human person can do. Mm-hmm. We're so fickle and how quickly we can feel offended by somebody. And that's yeah, the basis of this are. model. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. And this thing, this heart of war thing, I think is really the crux of it all because I think that we would all agree that nobody wants to be in conflict. Nobody wants to fight with their spouse for an hour or two, right? right. But you will hold on to everything that you have, to your position, 
because of the heart of war that you have. In order, and when you could simply just move through it by just making one small conciliatory statement. Yeah. And that's the thing that's so hard about this. You know, we all just continue to to go in the box. I think it's just recognizing it and just mm-hmm. being willing to take that step out of it. But it's tough. Yeah. So you see, I, I firmly believe that the virtue that drives this model, and if you don't have much of this virtue, it's so hard. If you lack humility, mm-hmm. your ability to apologize or your ability to take the initiative, even if you felt wronged, is virtually impossible. I mean, there are people in yeah. relationships who can honestly say, I've never heard my spouse apologize. Yeah. I've never heard my girlfriend or my boyfriend apologize. I've never heard my boss apologize. Mm -hmm. I've never heard my parent apologize. Mm -hmm. You know, there's some parents who believe that they are not supposed to apologize to their kids, right? Because I'm the parent. Mm -hmm. And boy, you talk about damage because now you put this burden on this other person to have to always take the initiative Mm -hmm. to make sure that you move to peace. Right. And so you're, you're absolutely right. That, that, that's, uh, that's what's required. It's humility mm-hmm. in, in all of us to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's been times you have not wanted to come to me and, and tried to begin the process of let's get through this. Mm-hmm. But it required humility on your part to come to me or me coming to you. Yeah, vice versa. You know, and maybe yeah. me coming around and putting my arms around you saying, hey, I'm so sorry about the way that just went down. You know, I should have been better at the way I started that conversation. And now we're getting to how to get out of the box here, which we're going to talk about here in just a, in just a few moments. But I, but I want to make sure that we recognize that the way I know I'm in the box, there's only one way I know that I'm in the box. And that is when I know that I'm acting or treating somebody in a way that I would not typically treat a person. That's, mm-hmm. That is how you know, mm-hmm. is when, I, when mm-hmm. I know that I'm treating you either in my heart. That's what I was going to say. It's not always uh, it's not always apparent, right? You can be in the box with someone and they never know it. Yes. Right. By the right. way, by the way that you see them, by the way that you think about them. Right. I think it can be both. Yeah, there can be. Uh, I remember Lincoln in the second inaugural address after the Civil War. It's this beautiful inaugural, and at the end he says, "With malice toward none." Like Lincoln mm-hmm. recognized we might be able on the outside mm-hmm. to have peace, mm-hmm. but the real answer to peace, to become a nation that's not rent in two, but to become a bonded union again, Lincoln yeah. recognized here is a war, 600,000 dead, 400,000 amputees, mm-hmm. and somehow we got to put this country back together again. And Lincoln mm-hmm. didn't just want to put a band-aid of let's all get along. He said with malice toward none. Mm-hmm. Right? which means in my heart, somehow yeah. north and south have got to get to a place where they don't hold each other hostage in the heart. Right. And that's actually probably more damaging in the long run, isn't it? And I think more difficult to overcome. You know, sometimes it doesn't even require the other person for you to work this out with. You know, you might, like you said, you could be in the box with someone for months and years. We see this in the workplace and in family relationships. You know, sometimes it's just you doing the work on your own to realize um, that you've stayed a victim for years and years and that you haven't really seen that person as a person. And so you just kind of close yourself off into that box and you stay there and you live there for way too long. I think another thing I just thought of, too, um, is just this idea of we see this a lot in the workplace, but um, confirmation bias just when the damage of gossip, the damage of 
of um, presuming something about someone and then you, you can't see it clearly anymore. And so you, um, you go in the box with that person based on something maybe that you heard or something that you experienced and then you can no longer see it objectively yeah. and you begin to see that person worse than they really are. So it's like every little thing that they do yeah. then suddenly is annoying to you because yeah. you, you can't get past that mindset, you know, and I think that we do that as well. That's a really good point. I, I can tell you in all the years that I've been working with in corporate America, work with different companies and leaders, when I see somebody mark a, uh, another coworker or employee, or if I see a boss mark an employee as being a bad employee mm-hmm. or, or, or they go in the box with them, mm-hmm. how almost impossible it is for them to ever See them, see them in any other way. Any mm-hmm. other way. Mm-hmm. And now, like you just said, they're actively looking for ways mm-hmm. to confirm what they want to believe about them. Right. All right. And we do this everywhere. Right. We see what we look for. Mm-hmm. And that's really what you see. Like you look in our country today, people mm-hmm. see what they're looking mm-hmm. for. If I feel some uh, grievance against you for something that you've done, I'm going to look for everything I can to prove to myself that I'm right about you. Right. And the reality is, I may be completely wrong. I may be right that, yes, that's true in that moment, but I may not be right that that's true about you mm-hmm. as a person, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And, and so you're right. This confirmation bias can really do uh, a lot of damage because now I'm looking for reasons to justify what I believe about you. Yeah. Uh, you know, look, we talked about this a little bit. You know, you you had a relationship with your mom that had some challenges, and this is a real, this is a very real model for you. I think I, I, I'd love for you to talk about it just at, to your comfort level, mm-hmm. because I think there's a lot of people who have these family dynamics that kind of play into this with the box model. Share a little bit about that relationship with your mom with respect to being in the box and really kind of what happened with your mom. Yeah, uh, you know, I I struggle with this with my mom. I struggle with kind of that fine line between going in the box and practicing healthy boundaries. And in particular, the last several years, but for several years struggling through this, going into the box and then realizing it and trying to get out of it and then finding myself back in it. And I think that's a common theme in, in relationships that we have, especially family relationships. Um, but, you know, this model for me... Um, over in particular the last, I guess it's been what eight months, eight nine, months, nine yeah. months since she passed away. Um, even new, even new realizations of just um, me being in the box when I didn't even see it. And I teach this model, and we've taught this model for several years. Yeah. And um, and yet I did that very thing. I did that justification, self betrayal at times, and so. Um, you know, my mom ended up, um, unfortunately, tragically taking her life. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, that reality of the um, the ways that I was still in the box with her is very painful. Um, but I've learned a lot from it as well, you know, realizing that how easy it is to um, get a certain mindset. And um, because of your own anger or your own hurt or your own unforgiveness, not really being able to see that person in the way that you need to see them. And um, I'm sure there were many times that I, you know, saw myself better than I was and her worse than she was. And, and uh, you know, again, I I don't know that it would have changed the outcome, 
um, ultimately, but if I had to do it over again, um, I would. I would do it um, a lot of things different with her when it comes to really being able to understand um, her struggle as a person, as a human. And uh, so, yeah, really really uh, tough lesson for me. You know, obviously, I loved your mom. I had a good relationship with your mom. But your mom in her life suffered many setbacks. And those setbacks over time made your mom feel like a victim to life in many ways. And so she lived in her own box. And tragically, your mom made the ultimate uh, act of victimization towards herself. And we know that. That's not something that was your responsibility or anyone else's. Your mom made that choice. But we really got to watch it play out in that sense. And Mm -hmm. I just love the honesty that you've had as you've processed this over the last eight months of seeing your role, what would you have done differently? And we've had many mm-hmm. nights just talking about this, being aware of how we view others, uh, how we treat others, and sometimes how easy it is to just view them as an object because it's inconvenient. Right. I think this situation uh, really kind of reinforced this idea of, of confirmation bias for me in particular with my mom mm-hmm. um, because I had these experiences with her over a lifetime, you know, my tolerance level, I think, was just becoming less and less. And so that, unfortunately, really played into um, me maybe not being able to offer, you know, what I wish that I could have. But certainly it it makes you aware, you know, just in the workplace, even when you hear about a manager that's, you know, people are talking about her or a coworker, you know, it really makes you realize that, you really have to formulate your own opinions and your and let your own experience dictate that, right? And not right. carry that, you know, for months and years and years and years because yeah. of the damage. Or like you've also said, um, to really try to appreciate the fact that that manager has to go to a, a life when they leave work that you don't even mm-hmm. know about. Absolutely, we don't know yeah. what anybody brings to work, right? And so we have to try to have the grace to really recognize that as people, we all come to work with different experiences that we're having to manage. And it just requires humility and compassion Mm -hmm. to be able to do that, right? So I remember one of the most powerful examples I had, I taught this model and at the break, this gentleman comes up to me and he says, I gotta tell you a story that I'm really embarrassed about. He said, my son, when he was 18, my son and I got in a fight. Like we were on the ground, like rolling on the ground fighting. And he said, my son, got on top of me, pinned me down. He said his mother was standing there crying and screaming for us to stop. And my son reared back and was about to punch me in the face. And he said he looked at his mother and he jumped off of me, ran in the house, grabbed his bag, packed it full of clothes, left. And he said, and he's 25 today and I've not talked to him since. And he said, I can't tell you how many times, Walter, I've picked up my phone to text him, to call him on a birthday, just to talk to him, and I haven't. Because I would always tell myself, if I did that first, I would give him the impression that what he did was okay. And I said, do you think he felt the same way? You think he's ever picked up his phone to call his dad and he puts it down because he doesn't want you to think that he's justifying your actions? Mm -hmm. He said, no doubt about it. He goes, I'm sure he's thinking, what kind of a father could put his hands on his son? I said, what are you going to do? He said, "Uh, I'm going to, as soon as we're done today, I'm going to pick up the phone. I'm going to call him. And I'm going to own my part. I'm going to tell him that I was wrong to put my hands on him mm-hmm. as a father and that I'm sorry for what I did. You know, he can't take his son's choices 
but he can take on his own choices and own them. And that's how you get out of the box, right? That, I tell that story because here is a really tragic, he, he lost seven years mm-hmm. with his son. It's tragic. I mean, it's very common. People go years with broken relationships like this. Yeah. And uh, you and I know this, right? We know the, the first step to get out of the box is you've got to recognize you're in the box, mm-hmm. which means you've got to see somebody as how at that moment. How do you have to see somebody once you realize you're in the box? You have to see them as a person, just like you are, that has their own struggles. That's it. The moment I realize you're a person, and I treated you in a way that I would never treat a person, I now recognize that I am somebody who is complicit Mm -hmm. in this, Mm -hmm. which now takes me to the next point, which is I now have to realize the implications of my actions, Mm -hmm. that I had a contribution to this divide. And if I can never recognize my contribution, and it's all your fault, what will we never achieve? You'll never have an authentic relationship. You'll never have peace in the relationship, not true peace. Right. You can't, because you're putting the full freight of the problem on the other person. And so many people do that. So many people put the blame. When you and I do mediation, how often do people start off taking responsibility for themselves? Versus starting off and telling you what the other person did. Right. It's always about what the other person did. Yeah. Yeah. We just know it in advance. And we have to listen to it. But then we always get to that point. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do you think there's anything that you did to kind of contribute to the issue, to the problem? Mm -hmm. And man, it's so hard to get them to just to be honest. Right. We get them there a lot of times. Man, it's a lot of work. It takes sometimes an outside party to be able to suggest that before before they can admit it. That's right. And almost always when that one person says, well, yeah, you know, I probably could have. Right. The person across the table says, well, you know, I could have done this. I could have done that too, yeah. And then pretty soon you can come to some kind of agreement about it. Yeah, and we've seen that time and time again. Yeah. Which then leads to the third part of getting out of the box, and it's the most difficult. So the first one is you got to recognize you're in the box. I acted in a way I know that I shouldn't. It violated my values. I betrayed myself. Mm -hmm. Number two, I need to recognize the implications of my Mm -hmm. actions. Mm -hmm. I'm a co-contributor on some level. And number three, I've got to rectify it. Which means what? What do I need to do now? Make it right. Do something about it. Own it. it. Got to make that phone call. Yeah. Right? Ask for forgiveness. Ask for forgiveness. Humble yourself. Yes. Go. Maybe if it's a person that you can, you put your arms around them. Yeah. You say, hey, I'm sorry. I was, you and I had this thing, right? Hey, I was in the box, you know? <laughs> what we don't want to say is, you're in the box. Which we say that too. <laughs> yeah, we do. <laughs> and how does that go, by the way? The oh, moment you man. say you're in the box. Not good. Not, not good. good. No, because we feel attacked. Not good. So look, that's the model, man. Yeah. It's, a, it's a beautiful and powerful model that uh, if people really want mm-hmm. to figure out how to become a stronger leader, mm-hmm. a stronger person, Managing mm-hmm. tensions and differences more effectively. Mm-hmm. I think leadership and self-deception is a beautiful place to start in terms of reading the mm-hmm. book. Would you, wouldn't you agree with that? It's, it's probably one of the best books, if not the best book I've ever read as far as just impacting life and the way that I do relationship and in the workplace, at home, with the kids, with you. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, professionally speaking, it's one of the books I is almost required reading that I give to people. Mm-hmm. And when they read it, I've had people come back to me and say, that book was revolutionary. Mm-hmm. It affects the way they view their team, their boss, uh, managers that are difficult, mm-hmm. which, believe it or not, still exist. Mm-hmm. 
and it really impacts them as individual leaders. And so we just wanted to talk about this today. Mm-hmm. We feel like this is a model and approach to life that truly can bring peace, more peace in someone's life and less conflict and war in their heart. It's a great life tool. Even Josh, my freshman in college, is has read half of it and yeah. is already using the language. And it's really a great life skill to take with you at any age. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Hey, great time again. Loved it. Uh, we'll be doing this again here pretty soon. And uh, thanks for uh, just all your wisdom and contribution. I literally, I always, when I ask you a question or I talk to you, I'm, I'm, I'm being serious. You're laughing. You're embarrassing me. I'm always <laughs> curious what you're going to say, you know, it's I, because you're always so insightful. So you, the proof's in the pudding. That's the hard part. <laughs> well, for both of us. Well, all right. Great to see you, you. And uh, you we'll too. be doing this again. Great. All right.